The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What's good, y'all? Welcome to another episode of In the Deep, a deep league-focused fantasy baseball podcast. It's been a while since we last talked to you. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined once again by my newly married co-host, Christopher Weber, more commonly known by his online handle of Schwebzy. Schwebzy, congratulations, buddy. How does it feel to be a married man? Hi, friends. It, it feels good. Although I'm a little upset because as soon as I got married, uh, it, it seems like it seems like it was a catalyst for like even more like just injury desolation in the MLB. It feels like it's only gotten worse. I don't know. Like like the entire Mets starting lineup has gone on the IL since I got married. And it's I mean, I'm not saying that I have divorce papers filed to like try to try to roll this back. <laughs> How much but, like so you're saying you'd get a divorce if it meant that Jacob deGrom would be back in the starting lineup immediately. Oh, I, 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 I think if I could get an entirely healthy Mets team, I don't know if I'd file the papers, but there might be some questionable Google searches that I would not want my new wife to see. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, buddy. Well, how to divorce. How to do a divorce. <laughs> how does one do a divorce? <laughs> Anyways, uh, once again, congratulations to you, Shwebsy. That's awesome. Obviously, I was I was lucky enough to be invited via Zoom to watch the wedding, which was very, very fun. Myself and Yancey sitting there and texting each other while we were watching the wedding going back and forth was fantastic. Uh, if you want to congratulate Shwebsy, obviously go to his Twitter page and make sure to leave a post there for him. And you can probably see some mushy photos of him and his new bride, uh, the one that Chris Flexen is also going to steal at some point. Yeah, no, she she looks lovely. She looks beautiful in those pictures, and I am I'm present in them. <laughs> That's the right thing to say. She she did look very very nice. Also, it was very cute. The best part that Yancey and I agreed on was right after you were announced man and wife, and you were allowed to kith. <laughs> now now kith <laughs> no no now kith um, was Christine doing the very excited hops like oh my god it finally happened yes we did it. She's adorable. She jumped very, into your arms and it was very, very cute. I'm but, very lucky. Uh, so that was fantastic. Uh, speaking of Twitter handles and such, obviously, be sure to follow our show page at Into the Deep PL on Twitter if you enjoy what we do here. Also, be sure to rate us five stars and leave a review for us on whatever podcast platform you happen to enjoy us on. Also, if you want to follow me, which is like the last thing that I want to say here, is that uh, you can find me at Bun Singles as well. Uh, one more quick thing that we wanted to highlight. It's been a couple weeks since we recorded our last episode, but I wanted to highlight something, a specific article that was released on the Pitcher List website that I would love for everyone to go check out. So last week, Pitcher List contributor Nicole Cahill put together a really, really wonderful article about the impact of Drew Robinson's openness about his struggle with mental health and his suicide attempt. For those of you that don't know Drew's story, Jeff Passan did a really wonderful write-up on Drew uh, that I highly recommend that you seek out and read if you haven't yet. It's pretty well read at this point, but obviously please check it out if you haven't. Uh, Nicole went ahead and gathered submissions from some fellow PL contributors as well as other just general members of the fantasy baseball community about what Drew's story means to them. Uh, 
this really means a lot to me personally as someone who has been diagnosed with bipolar 2 and an anxiety disorder as well. In my opinion, it's one of the more important pieces that's going to show up on the site this year. Uh, I really urge that if you find yourself struggling with mental health at any point, reach out to those around you. You do have a support system. And if necessary, contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. It's really important that you're here and we want you to be here. So, Yeah, I mean, it was going to be a struggle to displace the former most important article on the site which was uh jordan's breakdown of tanner how tanner how but, yeah. but now this is this is really important and that was not a, that was not a very high pedestal to knock knock me off of fortunately i, I think that was probably actually that was, it, it wasn't really a pedestal more so as a hole in the ground about six inches deep did i just accidentally really trash my my outlet <laughs> <laughs> maybe no no you didn't at all but uh again something that is very important to me. And I know like a lot of people at Pitcher List, uh, please check that article out, give it some more traffic, give Nicole some love. She deserves it. It was really great that she put that together. Moving on now to the stuff, the meat and potatoes that we all want to talk about, obviously. Let's get into the actual baseball stuff here. So let's talk a bit about the thing that's really been nagging us pretty much the entire season is all the different injury impacts. So we have more injuries to report over the past couple of weeks that we want to kind of touch on real quick and the implications that they will have on playing time and such, starting with Corey Seager. Uh, so Corey Seager is going to be out to, for close to a month now because he has a fracture after getting hit in the hand with a pitch. Uh, with that in mind, it's probably a good time to target Zach McKinstry. Now McKinstry falls just outside the roster uh, percentage that we usually look at. He's 23% owned in most Yahoo and ESPN leagues. So he's slightly above the threshold that we usually look at, but we figured it was still going to be important to hit on this because he's still pretty widely available out there. Um, we've talked about McKinster before, so I don't want to linger on him for too long. We remember the absurd pace that he was on before he hit the IL himself, but he should be coming back sometime this week. And I think that he should be an auto ad for most of you folks, if you're looking for help anywhere, because his, super utility role of being both an infielder and outfielder can help you in many different areas. Right. And we can't forget that this Dodgers team had a lot of fringe guys that might become relevant in, you know, if certain things happened and those things have happened, we've had Edwin Rios go down with an injury. Uh, AJ Pollock has been hurt and unproductive. Uh, and like you just mentioned, Corey Seager's now hurt. So yep. this is opening up opportunities for guys like Zach McKinstry, uh, guys like Matt Beatty, so, yeah, just, you really need to pay attention to these fringe guys on teams with stellar lineups like the Dodgers. Exactly. So uh, along with that, we're going to move along to another pretty impactful injury for a lot of people. Someone that a lot of people had on their rosters, Fran Mill Reyes, is going to be out for six to eight weeks. It's the, uh, the complete opposite of what we just said. Not yeah. a stellar roster in Cleveland. So Not a stellar roster but, there. They're already struggling as enough as it is. But there yeah. was there was one call up that uh, actually might matter, though. Yes. So with this one, Owen Miller uh, was called up. He's a shortstop prospect for Cleveland. Uh, I want to shout out Daniel Port on this too. He reminded us and reiterated that we should talk about this one on today's episode. So thank you, Daniel, of course, for shouting that out in the Twitch chat. By the way, also something I forgot to mention at the top, we stream this entire process, both our research and the recording of the episode on Twitch every single Sunday night. So you can find us there and kind of get a preview of what the episode's going to be. Again, that's going to be on Schwebzy's Twitch channel, twitch.tv backslash Schwebzy, S-H-W-E-B-S-I. So again, thank you to Daniel for that. Uh, Miller got the call after having a really blistering start in AAA. So AAA, he was hitting 406. He had two homers, nine RBIs, and 11 runs. So he had a great start to begin the year here. Uh, also just another little like added plus he's another Wisconsin, Wisconsin boy, uh, much like Jared Kelnick, as well as Gavin Lux, who had a hell of a week this past week too. Um, so looking at Owen Miller, he, in his first game batted in the sixth spot, he had five at bats. I think he drew a couple walks and then had three strikeouts. So nothing too impressive for his first go round. Um, he's not really going to hit the cover off the ball necessarily. He's not going to provide a huge upside in terms of power. 
or stolen bases. He's not really a fast guy either, but he does have a very good hit tool and he's shown that at every single level of the minors. So he's, I think the lowest that he's hit in any level of the minors was 290 over the course of a season. So while I don't know if he's necessarily worth an ad right now in like 12 teamers or anything like that, I think that he's worth a flyer in your 15 teamers and AL only leagues as an extra source of on base or average help. He actually D8 today. Did he? Which is interesting. I wonder if that's going to be... Well, I mean, they have they have him at Rosario to play shortstop right now. Mm-hmm. I assume that Rosario is going to be there, obviously, because they sent Jimenez down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's hard to say exactly what his role is going to be. But he was batting sixth, which isn't the worst spot in the lineup to be. It, it just means he's never, ever going to score a run because hitting behind him were Yu Chang and Austin Hentis. This is true. Yeah, so I mean, he might have some RBI upside. He, I mean, again, that hit tool is pretty good, and I mean, keep an eye on it. If he just starts raking, gets on a streak a little bit, maybe they push him up the lineup further. But I mean, the top of that lineup, I feel like, is pretty secure in the way it is right now. So I don't really see him hit, hitting any higher than fifth or sixth, probably at this point, right? Probably not. Yeah. So that's probably like where his ceiling is, unless he just absolutely shows up and shows out. But. Yeah, I mean, if they're playing... So Josh Naylor did not play today. He pinch hit. I'm not sure what the deal with that is. But if he's in the lineup, I could see Owen Miller getting pushed down one more spot to seventh. But it's honestly, it doesn't make too much of a difference. Yeah. I mean, if you're really badly in need of OBP or average help in one of your deeper leagues, then I think it's worth at least a speculative ad. Um, And we can see if he he can hold his own. But in the meantime, uh, let's move on to another... Well, in this case, we're going to skip over to, instead of an injury, a trade that just happened that actually affects my favorite team, Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, Willie Adamas just went to the Brew Crew, which is pretty interesting in a lot of ways, Schwebs. Break this down a little bit. Yeah, the broad overview is very interesting because like, think think of it on the surface. The defending AL champions just traded their starting shortstop on May like 22nd. Yeah. That's that's wild if you think There's about lots it. Lots of implications. Yeah. So uh, Willie Davis, former top prospect, uh, and his profile, while not as you know sparkling as someone like Wander Franco, it was similar in the way that he was supposed to be kind of an all around talent, uh, less bat, more glove than Franco though, uh, and he turned into a completely different type of player because basically all he does now is strike out or hit home runs. He strikes out like over a third of the time. And then he's starting last year. He started selling out for power and started hitting dingers. But it's not so many dingers. Like He's not like Joey Gallo. Like no. it's, it's more like 25 home runs, maybe. Maybe. Um, so yeah, now he's in... The AmFam clam, as we like to call it, uh, which Jordan turned me on to. And that's good for him because if his profile doesn't change, you know, he's he's never going to be like, you know, he he might never reach the peak that you might have predicted when he was a prospect. But if he can be a 240 or 250 hitting 25 to 30 home run shortstop, that's relevant. It's going to be low OBP. The counting stats probably aren't going to be as good as you might expect from a possible 30 home run bat because uh, he just doesn't hit the ball well the rest of the time. Yeah. But uh, that's relevant. Uh, you know, it's it's like I, I heard the term empty power today, which it might be the first time I've ever heard it. Uh, they were talking about Matt Chapman, but that's kind of what you have with Willie Adonis here because it's you're hoping that he hits 25 plus home runs and that's really all you're getting out of him. And he's much more likely to achieve that in Milwaukee than he was in the trop because uh, Tampa Bay's home stadium is really kind of dampening for righty home runs. Whereas uh, in Milwaukee, it's a much better ballpark for that kind of hitter. Yes. Uh, Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, there's a lot that I like it just beyond like a fantasy aspect of it. There's a lot that I like and don't like just as a Brewer fan with this. I mean, I do think that Willie Damas defensively has like one of the best I think he's got the best arm in the league aside from Tatis in terms of shortstops go uh and I feel like they've been putting a huge focus on defensive prowess getting Jackie Bradley Jr. getting Colton Wong and now trading for Willie Adamas and essentially pushing Luis Urias out of that shortstop spot um 
but there's a lot of volatility in the bats in Milwaukee. And that's something that I don't necessarily enjoy because people are going to run very, very hot and cold. And I almost would compare Adamas's bat to Keston Hira's, where you can have someone who has, when he does run into it, he's got a ton of pop and he's going to get a bunch of extra base hits and home runs, but he's also going to be striking out a buttload. And that is not enjoyable for me to watch. I get way too much anxiety watching bats like that. But I mean, is it, is it like the strategy there at some point? It's just they're they're going for these, you know, volatile home run hitting bats to just like try to try to knock a couple over while they're pitching just holds the other team down. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, having like that very, very strong infield defense with like a very elite starting pitching staff, at least for the first three spots. I mean, obviously, like Adrian Hauser has been having a decent year. And then you have uh, Brett Anderson, who's just like fine, whatever. Um, but having Woodruff Burns and Peralta, who are all great pitchers uh especially uh freddie peralta who we thought was probably going to be like a fireman type role coming into the year but uh has carved out a starting pitching spot once again has been fantastic um maybe just putting that strong defense behind them is all they're really looking for but i mean overall again like you said and kind of highlighted adamas is coming into a park that has a much more favorable layout for him in terms of like the kind of hitter that he is. So I'm hoping that he will see more success being in the AmFam clam. And it's something that I might get to see tomorrow night when I get to go to my first uh, brewer game of the year, finally, which is going to be great. I get to see uh, Woodruff pitch and I get to see Willie Adamas hopefully do stuff. Pretty cool. I'm very excited for you. Yeah, it's going to be great. But, yeah. I mean, we, we could talk about real life baseball stuff all day. Cause I, I think like, like the way that different teams construct their uh, lineups and uh, defense is really interesting, but we're here to talk about fantasy implications. Yes. And on the other side of the trade, please say this name for me again because I am going to get it wrong. The name is JP Fireisen. Fireisen. And that made me come up with several uh, Game of Thrones uh, related puns on his name. We'll come, we'll come up with an official in the deep nickname for him, especially if uh, this trend continues. In his second game as a Ray, JP Fire Ison got a save. Yeah. And I mean, that's really relevant in fantasy if that kind of thing continues. Diego Castillo had pitched the day before. So yep. this may have just been a rest day for Castillo. And the Rays are notoriously fickle with their bullpen usage and save situations. Because, like uh, Peter Fairbanks got a save this week, too. So who knows what they're going to do? But it's something to pay attention to because Fire Ison is so far this season he's been like straight up an elite reliever, right? Like he was really he's been good very, one. very good. Yeah. He's, he has a ton of holds so far this year, and that's the thing too. Is like if you're in a saves hold league, I already have yes. Fire Ison on my roster, so I've I've slam dunked and picked him off off the waiver wire because no one was touching him, and I'm just like he's got great ratios. He gets a decent amount of strikeouts. Uh, his whip's always going to be low. His ERA has been great so far this year, and yeah, I mean he's just going to get you those stats that you need. And now, I mean, he was obviously blocked by both Josh Hader and Devin Williams, which are like the very two clear people that were probably going to get save opportunities in Milwaukee. But the Tampa Bay bullpen is used in a much different way than the Milwaukee bullpen is. He's not buried behind people. Everyone's kind of just like, we're going to use the best arm for the job in Tampa Bay. So if he's able to nab you a save here or there, he's probably worth an ad, honestly. I mean... It's pretty, yeah. I mean, oh God, it makes me sad because I really liked him as a pitcher and I thought that he was a great arm, but I am happy to see him with a slightly uh, increased role. Stop hogging all of the elite relief pitchers, okay? That's but, the one thing we have going for us is pitching. In from the uh, from the Twitch chat while we were talking about that, a random raise reliever getting a save? Color me surprised. Thank you, Hookie. Shocking. Shocking, right? But, Thank you, uh, J-Hook. <laughs> The other the other uh, bit of fallout from this trade on a major league roster is the, so Tampa Bay has a few shortstop prospects. We all know yes. about Wander Franco. Vidal Bruhan has gotten a lot of uh, helium lately because he seems to be unlocking his power this year. Yes, but the guy who got the call, Taylor Walls. Now, I can't say I'm the biggest fan of his from a fantasy perspective. Uh, I, I got I got admonished by Yancey Eaton, a Tampa Bay Rays fan, in the uh, Twitch chat earlier today because uh, I said I didn't like his profile. But uh, Yancey believes that he is not the uh, slapdick defensive shortstop that I claimed him to be. 
But uh, he's got a couple doubles already in his brief major league career. He's looking, uh, he looks like he has an idea at the plate, which is a good thing. Uh, I know Fangraphs had him as a kind of defense speed hit tool guy, which, uh, you know, when, when I see that, I think maybe better major leaguer than fantasy asset. But uh, do, do you have any thoughts on Walls? I haven't done enough research on Walls yet to actually have a real formed opinion on him. I was surprised, I guess, that they chose to bring him up above both Vidal Brujan and uh, Wander Franco. I, we all want to see the more exciting guy. Yeah, exactly. We want to see the highly touted prospect finally get the call. Same reason why everyone's so, like, especially like all like the Kansas City fans are chomping at the bit to try to get Bobby Witt to come mm-hmm. up. Same yeah. deal. Like, uh, there's all these people that have all this prospect pedigree and hype behind them. But I mean, I will say that there is very clearly, I think, a reason why we are all not working in front offices and these people <laughs> are and making these decisions on who comes up or not. I mean, through two games, Walls is hitting 375 with two doubles. That'll play. That'll do. I mean, small sample size warning, which there's a lot of, of those in this episode, yeah, we will yeah. say ahead of time. We're, we're, getting, we're getting further into the season, so there's more chance for people to pick people up. And the waiver wire is going to get thinner as, as the yes. season goes on naturally. So our picks are naturally going to gravitate more towards guys with smaller sample sizes, recent call-ups, uh, guys with weak production so far. Otherwise, they wouldn't be on the waiver wire anymore. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, is like along with like the recent call ups, in some cases, your league is going to be deep to the point that you need to speculate on who you think is going to get called up. So I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that with with limited roster space figured, okay, maybe I mean, I'm sure no one owned Taylor Walls and there's at least one or two people out there that were rostering one or both of Wander Franco and Vidal Brujan expecting either of them to get the call instead of Walls. But now he's there. So a lot of that's going to be highly speculative. And I mean, we're going to use our best judgment at any point and everything to make an educated guess. But again, we could always be wrong. And in this case, I definitely was, was mm-hmm. not expecting this whatsoever, but I mean, he's doing well so far. Uh, let's move on now to the last little bit of injury news that we kind of wanted to talk about. And that's Carson Kelly. So Carson Kelly had a really, really good start to the year, um, but recently fractured his big toe. Uh, in the past week or so, he has started hitting again, but obviously as a catcher, the biggest aspect of your job is crouching behind home plate, which is incredibly difficult considering he had a broken toe. Like you're always like up on your tiptoes when you're in your crouch anyway. So it's gotta be incredibly uncomfortable for him, if not super painful. Um, he'll still probably be out for a few weeks and that leaves the question, will Steven Vogt or Dalton Varsho be getting more looks behind the plate? I know a couple people have asked me this. And honestly, I am not really sure that it actually matters that much unless you're in a two-catcher league and you really need that second catcher. Um, the thing with both of them is that they both hit from the left side and there really isn't a platoon advantage of any kind because of that. And they're both pretty unsexy in comparison to Kelly. Obviously, you're not going to be able to replace that kind of production from the catcher position, especially. If you had to choose, if you're twisting my arm and you made me choose between the two of them, I think that Varsho just super narrowly ekes out vote just due to, one, the potential stolen base upside, uh, and two, the broader uh, outfield eligibility that he carries. Um, but honestly, I'm not trying to add either of these guys. Like I said, unless you're in a two catcher league and you need that second spot filled, there's always going to be better catcher streamers available out there. And if you need more of those, I highly recommend you check out the catcher streamer article that Dave Swan released yesterday on the PL site. Uh, tons of great suggestions in there. So please go check that out on the site. Give Dave some love. Uh, he has his Twitter handle in the article. I cannot remember it off the top of my head right now. But definitely go check that out. I, I have I have expressed my dislike of Varsho before, and yes. uh, he very much lost a uh, a playing time battle to Josh Rojas and Paven Smith. And uh, how yes. many how many guys does need to lose playing time battles to before we just give up on Varsho? Yeah, exactly. And when you look you look to the future too, and there's pl- there's other outfield prospects because he's being pushed into the outfield because he doesn't really have all the tools necessary to be a big league catcher. And he's really just a stopgap filler right now. Right. Them. Like so, uh, unless, unless his long-term spot is that catcher. Like I just, cause the, it, this is a team yeah. that has 
Corbin Carroll and Christian Robinson knocking uh, in the exactly. next couple of years. Hopefully Christian Robinson, you know, can, can get his mental health issues under control. Yeah, exactly. As but, we spoke yeah, about um, at the top of the episode. I, I'm, I'm very vocally not a uh, bar show guy. Although what, yes. if you're, if you're just strictly talking bar show versus voked, uh, probably bar show, I guess, just because of what Jordan said. Yeah. Very, very small, small gap there. Um, yeah. We we are we are already twenty minutes in. We have a lot of people to talk about. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna need to blow through these. Blow through them. Let's do it. Um, unless we unless we just. Uh, oh, Alec Thomas too. I forgot about Alec Thomas. God, yeah, that team is just so deep with outfield prospects. Oh yeah, I forgot about him too. Dang. Yeah. See. Um, yeah. There, there's almost no chance that he sticks. Uh, for a show that is. Um, but let's move quickly here to some hitters that we both like we might go uh, long if we go long we go long it's fine <laughs> in pitcherless pitcher- fashion yeah it isn't a pitcherless podcast unless you go long right every once in a while we have two weeks worth of stuff to talk about to be fair so i've been i've been i've been holding in i've been holding in fantasy hot takes for two weeks and i gotta let them out got a lot of a lot, lot saved up in the bank yeah yeah Real quick, let's talk about Nikki Lopez. This isn't going to be a really long one necessarily. I thought that it was an interesting one to kind of look at for the next week or so because there is a couple different people possibly knocking on the door down the line here. Uh, but Nikki Lopez over the past couple of weeks has thrown up a pretty solid average and he's tacked on three stolen bases in that time as well. If you're like me and you're really, really bad at drafting stolen bases in your roto leagues, like I genuinely struggle to do that effectively pretty much every year and i always find myself searching the wire for them it's really wonderful to find someone like nikki lopez who's only three percent owned in espn and yahoo leagues he's probably fine for the next week or two but the big issue here is that Alberto mondesi is going to be coming back soon because he's in the midst of his rehab assignment um and after he comes back, I don't know where Lopez ends up. He can play second base as well, but I mean, Whit Merrifield can also be there too. Uh, and they have enough outfielders on that Royal squad to just move Whit back to second base and kind of let things be as they may. I don't know. Uh, and then beyond that, even there's also the object in mirror that is closer than it appears in Bobby Whit Jr. that everyone is clamoring for as well. He's only hitting 235 in double A so far, but he's been showing off his power and speed with multiple homers and stolen bases so far this season. I think it's like three homers and six stolen bases. So Nicky Lopez, I think would be a good ad for like the next week or so week or two, just to kind of maybe get you a few extra stolen bases if you need them. But you need to be very wary of once Mondesi does come back. So we're thinking short term middle infield spot, super, maybe super duper short term middle infielder. Like if you have a league where it's like 15 teams and you have a middle infield spot, I think that's where you're trying to find Nicky Lopez and obviously like a roto where you need stolen base help specifically. That's where I'm at so far. Cause he's also way down in the lineup. He's not going to get as many at bats as someone who's hitting near the top. So that's pretty much where I'm at. Trying to make up ground in stolen bases is like my second least favorite thing in fantasy next to trying to make up ground in saves. Just terrible. Abysmal. It's the it, worst. It, mean, it makes you look at people like Nicky Lopez and go, eh. yeah, maybe God, Nicky Lopez, but, and the thing, I can't. I can't even be mad. Like I can't even like be mad about it because it's like it's a legit thing. You need stolen bases. Yeah. Uh, uh, so the next guy we're going to talk about is someone we've brought up three times now on In the Deep uh, <laughs> because I am I am a fan. Uh, Josh Naylor, and uh, it makes no sense to me that we brought him up three times because how has he not crushed the twenty percent threshold yet? I with our with our millions and millions of fans, I figured if I keep talking about him, he'd cross the threshold. But uh, our tens and tens of fans. Apparently, I don't have as much sway as I like to pretend that I do. Uh, so he's still showing the uh, the tools to be better than he has been. He's his max exit velo has been great. He's hit multiple balls near that max exit velo, which are good things for uh you know pro- when you're digging deep here uh we recently on pitcher list had one of our one of our writers do a real dive that we don't have time to do here into josh naylor and that was a uh, chad young which uh we, we we need to remember to actually tweet that out so that uh we can draw some more eyes to that article because yes. yeah, as, as josh naylor lovers we want more people to know why we like him so much uh and one of the things that i've 
repeatedly mentioned about him is that he makes a lot of contact for somebody with such prodigious power. And uh, something that Chad dug into was that maybe he's making contact on the wrong kinds of pitches, which makes sense because, you know, you would think the guy that hits the ball hard makes a lot of contact. That's a good thing. Yeah. But he's making contact with pitches that he can't really handle. But something that Chad also found was that some indicators are trending in the right direction that Naylor is attacking pitches that he can handle, that he's more likely to do damage on. And uh, some minor changes to his plate discipline would really quickly turn Naylor into a much more productive hitter. And we might be starting to see that. Uh, And so Chad's recommendation is the same as mine. I, I think you should be jumping on the bandwagon early if you can afford the bench spot or if, you know, if you're a particularly strong offense and you're just, you know, making a shot in the dark. Uh, but I, I think now's the time to jump on the bandwagon before he truly breaks out because this is when you can really profit off of it. For sure. Yeah. And he's going to be a guy like when he does eventually pop off, he's going to be sitting in a very prime spot in that lineup, like four or five usually. Um, so he's going to get those counting sets that you love. Obviously. I mean, I don't know how many times we have to continue pounding uh, or stumping, stumping for, that's the word I was trying to say, stumping for Josh Naylor. But I think that eventually people will catch on and he is going to blow up. Look, the day he graduates from uh, In the Deep is is the day that I retire from podcasting because uh, um, I'll, I'll, have, I'll have made it. My, that's my boy. Well, at this point, I'd no longer wish him success because I don't know what I would do without you, Schwebs. I think I'd be lost, honestly. I, I, I could never have another co-host. I couldn't do it. I mean, I, I, pretty much anything would be a step up in quality. Like, what, or, or... Take it easy. This man's selling himself short. Don't let him do that. I want you all to go to Schwebsy's Twitter and just shower him with compliments and love because this man deserves it. Dang no, it. I, like between the wedding and everything lately, I've gotten way too many compliments lately. I would appreciate it if you could just go to my Twitter feed and say mean things because that's more <laughs> what I'm used to. Please roast my co-host. <laughs> please, please roast me. <laughs> I, I need to get on Reddit and ask to be roasted. Oh God. That is my worst nightmare. <laughs> I don't want that to happen. Anyways. Okay. Let's move on. We got more people to talk about here. Let's talk about, uh, Someone that made a recent little comeback because he was hurt at the beginning of the year. G-Man Choi, he's back. He was a favorite of mine last year, and I was really bummed out that he didn't have the season I expected. Yeah. Uh, A little bit disappointing last year for sure, but he's had a pretty good start so far to start his 2021 campaign. He's only had a few games so far, but he's still putting up a 16% walk rate, which is close to in line of what we've seen him just slightly above uh, in the past. But... He's also just got an absolutely absurd BABIP of 636. So he is just getting super duper lucky. That is obviously not sustainable in any capacity. Straight up Adam Frazier spring training-esque. Yes. Uh, I will say that his barrel rate is much higher than it has been at any point in the past like two or three years now. He's putting up an absurd barrel rate. So it's not completely fluky, but it's still way too high to be realistic for any extended period of time. And... That's the thing is like he's still, I think, going to be the guy that we have always known him to be. Obviously, last year was a down year. He only hit like 230-ish. But pretty much every year before that, he was hitting between 260 and 265-ish. Uh, and I think that it's probably reasonable to expect like a 250-ish average and like 100 runs plus RBIs by end of season for him if he stays healthy. I don't think that's absurd. And like in a world where the league-wide average average is currently like in the 230s right now, Above average is good. We'll take that any day. Um, again, like currently what he is doing, it's like a super small sample size. and You shouldn't take any of the current stats completely seriously. You should always take it with a grain of salt. But I think he's the guy that we always have known him to be. And if you need help at corner infield and like a 15 teamer, he's probably still going to be out there at this point. And I would even recommend him in 12 teamers. If you have a deeper bench and you want to stash a guy like this, cause he's going to be able to produce reasonably well for you for the rest of the season. I think. Yeah. I, I think that at worst he's going to be like a, a, you know, he's a lefty batter except for when he occasionally switch hits and hits dingers, which was fun at one point. Yes. That's but true. Uh, no, I, I think at worst he's a lefty that mashes righties, which is, you know, we, we've talked a lot about how, there's value in those platoon guys. Exactly. Yeah. Especially like 15 teamers and like ALNL only type leagues. You need to play those when you can. 
because obviously you need to eke out value in every single possible way uh, to get an edge on your opponents. And it adds up over the course of the season. Um, someone else that recently came back, Danny Santana. Schwebs, you wrote this one up. Uh, take it away on this one. Yeah. So the last time we saw Danny Santana for a prolonged stretch, which was 2019, he hit 283 with 28 dingers and 21 stolen bases. And since then, he has been either hurt or unproductive, technically. Uh, but that lack of production happened in like 63 plate appearances in a wonky COVID year. So I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt on that and give him a pass. He's only played a few games so far this season. Today was his third game, I believe, maybe fourth. But he's already has two dingers and he's hitting in a really, really formidable Red Sox lineup while hitting in Fenway, which is generally a really nice park for hitters. Uh, It also needs to be mentioned that in Yahoo, he's eligible at every single non-catcher position. That's absurd. Yeah, it's awesome. Thanks, (laughs) Yahoo, for being bad at being at being a fantasy platform. But I will say I think that's also the case on AutoNew as well. If you're in an AutoNew league, he still has all that eligibility. So, yeah, absurd. Yeah. So uh, that's more valuable than ever in these times when everybody is hurt. Everyone's hurt. Just uh, so. Players with more flexibility are more valuable than ever. And Danny Santana brings more flexibility than just about any other player. Yeah. Uh, Short of like Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. But uh, I've talked a lot about how both 2019 was wonky because of the juiced ball and how 2020 was wonky because of COVID. And we've got a lot of both of those things going on here because his breakout was with the juiced ball. And then he missed a lot of time with the COVID stuff. And not that he got it, but he was just hurt. So uh, a lot of my Danny Santana analysis is just me throwing my hands up in the air in a confused fashion. Uh, And uh, sometimes when we're talking about deep league ads, we have to throw some darts. And this is one of those times. uh, He's displayed plenty of fantasy relevant skills before. He could be a hugely relevant ad. And he also could be a total bust. I wouldn't really be surprised either way. But He's totally worth an ad uh, on the chance that he just picks up where he left off the last time he was healthy. He even put up a combo meal already. He actually, he, it was a really fun line because he went one for three with a dinger and a stolen base because he got hit by a pitch. But uh, yeah, <laughs> at this moment, 100% of his hits are home runs and that will play. That'll play. We have a yeah. certain admiration for people of that profile on In the Deep. They've, they hold the place very dear in our hearts. Dude, I, I pulled up his savant page and I looked at his spray chart and it's just two balls over the fence. I'm like, oh, that's fun. But yeah, yeah, small sample size, but still, that is amazingly entertaining yeah. and comical. Danny, San- Danny Santana cares not for your dejuiced ball. But yeah, I, I totally think he's worth a pickup and probably even in 12-teamers because you're going to need someone when half your team gets injured. You're going to need someone to slot into that random empty spot. For sure, yeah. Uh I really, I, I, I would really love to, because I was very much on board with him in uh, 2020 during the weird COVID season when he was hurt a whole bunch. That really stunk because I was very excited and I thought that maybe I would be able to get a guy that was for very, very cheap. I got him for $3 in my auction that was maybe a 2020 player. I would have loved that, uh, but unfortunately hurt a ton that year. So that was disappointing. So I do hope for a uh, Danny Santana comeback this year. Yeah. Uh, so he's already at 5% ownership, which is a high number for someone who's played as much as he hasn't so far. That's so true. You're going to want to like jump. He's selling him, like hotcakes. Get yeah, on that. Add him sooner rather than later if he's available. Absolutely. All right. Uh, someone else that is heating up that we want to touch on real quick here. Uh, Garrett Cooper, who's only 3% owned currently across ESPN and Yahoo leagues. Uh, this is a little bit echoing kind of what was talked about on yesterday's episode of on the wire where Adam and Kevin chatted with uh, Zach Roto of the draft champagne podcast. Um, I don't want to go super duper deep on Garrett Cooper. Cause there's a ton of good info that you can find there. So be sure to check out the on the wire pod as well, but it's really worth mentioning that Cooper has been on an absolute tear over the past week and change after like a super duper slow start. He's currently on an eight-game hitting streak where he's batting over 400 with three homers and 16 runs plus RBIs. Like he's doing, he's going absolutely gangbusters right now. It's been fantastic. Um, and at only three percent ownership, he's definitely out there. And another kind of general theme that we're kind of following here is guys with utility are really, really good. And Garrett Cooper is eligible at both first base and outfield on most of your major fantasy platforms. 
and at this point, honestly, if he can keep this pace up even remotely, I don't think he's just like a 15 team like deeply yet. I think like he's a reasonable 12 teamer add if you have a little bit of a deeper bench as well. Um, especially when you need stopgap options to fill spots when you have injuries, which there have been a plethora of so far this year. So Garrett Cooper, someone I'm very much on the train with, and I'd highly recommend that you look at picking him up to fill that gap in your roster when you have injuries. Yeah. Cooper always seems like he's one of those guys that's just on the brink of being like widely owned everywhere, but something always happens. But the hot streaks are always worth owning and he is very much on one right now as i witnessed as he hit two run dingers in back-to-back games against the mets which wasn't fun he hit three home runs in three games i think it was three straight games where he homered so yeah, i hate it yeah. i hated it i'm sorry that it had to be against but, the Mets. But. but if you're a fantasy owner you'll love it <laughs> all right and then let's see here let's move on to the last guy that we want to talk about in terms of hitters let's talk about jacob stallings schwebzy this is a better catcher option in my opinion than either steven vote or dalton barsha if you want to catch her probably your guy easy uh, touch on him a little bit schwebs so uh jacob stallings is currently owned in 10 percent of leagues and i i think that's mostly like your standard leagues but this is a recommendation for all of you in your two catcher leagues he should be universally owned in two catcher leagues uh and this is one of those times when not a lot of an- analysis is really needed. Uh, he's a catcher. He's not owned in many leagues, and he hits cleanup. That that that's it. That's the tweet. Uh, this is absolute gold in any league that rosters two catchers. Uh, it's always valuable to have a guy just getting full time plate appearances, and the lineup spot is just gravy. You might not have heard this, but the Pirates stink. So. What? <laughs> And while that hurts Stallings counting stats opportunities, he's hitting cleanup. So they're not going to be missing entirely. Uh, There are some skills worth mentioning here as he is walking at a 14.1% rate, which is really high. And he's only striking out 20.3% of the time, which is not quite a career best, but it's basically as well as little as he ever strikes out. Uh, It's a really awesome combination. You all know by now that I love my plate discipline. Uh, And this shows up in his, uh, above average across the board X stats. Uh, I'd stop short of calling Stallings good per se, but there is a perfectly competent hitter here. And sometimes competency plus opportunity is all you need. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, again, two catcher leagues, this is a dope second catcher to have. This can make the difference long-term between you winning and losing a league. Honestly, this is a good, this is a really, really good one to point out. Schwabs. I'm very happy that you brought up Stallings. Uh, especially a guy on a very poor NL central team who doesn't get a ton of love. So this is a really good call out. I like this one a lot. And yeah, again, 10% of leagues he's rostered in. That's fantastic. He's obviously going to be available for most of y'all out there. So definitely go grab him. I, I am I am back to back saying you should pick up a Pirates hitter and then say you should pick up a pitcher going against the Pirates. <laughs> I contain to multitudes. Fair, to, to be fair... To be fair, <laughs> um, we're looking at Stallings like rest of season, but like Kyle Freeland, who you're going to talk about here is you're talking about him for the next two starts, right? So there yes. is there is there is some nuance there that you can you can have both. You can you can have your cake and eat it too. So yeah, we're going to switch over to pitchers here. Let's talk about Kyle Freeland a little bit, Schwebs. Yeah. All right. I, I just want to get this out of the way early. I do not think Kyle Freeland is particularly good. Uh, and and this this. I, I love this two-start week from him. This is this might be the best two-start week that you're going to see all year from a, an opponent's perspective. But uh, Freeland himself is coming off injury. This is his first major league start of the year. Uh, but uh, the, the, the matchups are so good. They are. So he he came he just came off a pretty good uh, rehab start. And the good news is for his next two major league starts, he doesn't need to face any major league lineups. He gets to face the Mets in City Field and then the Pirates in PNC. So he gets to avoid Coors Field, which is awesome. And you may have heard that this entire Mets lineup is injured. So Freeland will hope to take advantage of the likes of Brendan Drury, Cameron Mabin, and Janeshwi Vargas, uh, who are not uh, intimidating hitters. The Mets started seven players today hitting 210 or worse. 
That's not good. Not so, ideal. Yeah, I literally start anybody that you have facing the Mets right now. And assuming that he starts on Tuesday, which is not set in stone, but it is what we've heard, uh, assuming he pitches on normal rest, then he will, in his next start, get to face the Pirates, who, again, are another really bad lineup. Yes. In fact, they are the only team in baseball that has scored fewer runs per game than the Mets. So this is maybe the best set of opponents that any pitcher has had in a two-start week all year. If if he can't put together a solid week here, I may be mentally sending Freeland to the shadow realm and ignoring him for the rest of the year because you have to take advantage of this. Like So like I said, there's some risk here because he hasn't started any games yet. Uh, we like to call that a still ill at pitcher lists. But come on, man, those matchups. Like if you need a, a starting pitcher streamer this week, it's hard to find a more favorable matchup. For sure. Yeah. I mean, one, I appreciate the very not so subtle Yu-Gi-Oh reference that you made. I appreciate that very much Two, hard agree on all this. Like, I mean, that, I, I mean, I, I'm going to apologize to you, but that Mets lineup is laughable in comparison to the rest of the league. It's not, it's not going to be great. I really think that, again, like you said, I would throw literally anyone facing the Mets out there as a streamer in the next week or so until they can kind of like reestablish some of their guys who are on the IL. But like, (sighs) dude, you don't have to sugarcoat it, man. It sucks. It does. I I I feel so bad for you, bud. I I know that the lol Mets is like a thing, but at the same time, like this is just like, this is overkill. The universe is really dealing you some bad cards. I apologize. So after the wedding, this has been my opportunity to go to a game like in my like real life schedule. And I am, I I am purposely, I am, I am very much opting to not go to a baseball game right now because I do not want to watch Cameron. Cameron Maiden hit third yesterday. It's absurd. And exactly. Why would you want to be in pain in public when you can be in pain in, inside your own home? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> that's how I would prefer. Yeah, like all, like all the rest of the time. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, why, don't we, why don't we hop over to Martin Perez so that I'm not just talking uh, in a long string? Yeah, we can, yeah, we can definitely do that. Okay, so I'm going to touch on Martin Perez real quick. Uh, he's thrown together a really, really nice May after having a kind of rough start to the year in April. So April, he went 0-2 with a 4.7 ERA and 22 Ks, 9 walks, and a 1.48 whip. Not great, obviously. May, much better. He's 2-0 for the month and has put up a 2.38 ERA, 22 Ks, 8 walks, but with a 1.15 whip. Some notes on him here. like He's putting up a career-high K percentage called strike percentage. Fantastic. And I think that's mostly due to how well he's utilizing his repertoire. So if you really look at his heat maps, he's working east to west with his sinker and cutter. So it's kind of coming under the same arm angle. And then obviously those are going to tunnel really well with each other and break one way or the other. And you're not really sure which way he's going to go with it. He's throwing his four seamer elevated up in the zone and then pounding the bottom of the zone with his changing curve. It's like a really good, just general blueprint for success when you think about pitching in the modern age, right? The, also, the other nice thing is that he's also increased the spin rate and veal on all of his offerings from last year, which is always a good thing. Um, he's also been really fortunate, though, to face some weaker lineups so far in May. So that's probably something that has to do a little bit with the recent success. He does get Miami at home next, which I'm totally fine throwing him out there for. That feels like an auto start for me. But after that, he does line up to face the Astros two times in a row, and they're currently the highest scoring offense in the league. Uh, Those are both really dicey and would probably warrant a pass from me. Um, After that, he faces the Blue Jays at home, which is another tough sell, even though he is at home in Fenway. All in all, I think that he is worth an ad for the stream in this next outing coming up, but I would feel comfortable just letting him ride the waiver wire after that until about a week or two following after he's gotten through those other rough starts and reassessing it. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, Perez has absolutely had his moments of productivity in his, in the last few years. And I mean, the Red Sox kind of made him a priority bringing him back this year. So clearly yeah. they see something. Yeah. They see something that they like. I mean, that's the thing too. I mean, the cutter that he added a few years ago has seen increased usage. It is now his most prominent pitch. And having that to pair with his sinker, and obviously, like again, 
that's tunneling really well with each other. They're breaking the exact opposite directions. It adds some nice deception to his repertoire. And he has five pitches that are all pretty reasonable overall. And he spreads it out pretty well between every, every single one of his offerings. I mean, yeah, again, in the more favorable matchups, I'm, I'm not going to start him against Houston. I could never do it. Moving on, let's go and switch back to you. We're going to go back to the guy that you were talking about before. Let's talk about James Caprillion. Yes. So uh, I wasn't expecting to like him as much as I now do when I started looking into his first couple of starts. So he's he's two starts into his 2021 season. Uh, he pitched a little bit last year, but it was nothing to write home about. Uh, so this year, from a stuff perspective, I've really, really liked what I've seen so far. He's thrown five different pitches at least 10 times, and he's got at least a 35.7 whiff percentage on four of them, which is wild. And his most thrown pitch, his four-seamer, which is what he works off of, has a 25% whiff rate, which isn't outstanding. It's not like a, it's not like elite, like you Darvish has like something like a 40% whiff rate on his four-seamer or something stupid. Yeah. But uh, it's right in the range of guys like Robbie Ray, Dylan Cease, uh, Trevor Bauer, uh, you know, some of those guys are elite pitchers, period. Some of them we just think of as having elite four seamers. So it, he's in pretty good company there. Uh, the slider is the main attraction here. And to this point, it's been an actual money pitch as, as we define it over at Pitcherless, which is a 40% uh, O swing, 40% zone rate, and then a, what is a 15% whiff rate? Yes, correct. Yeah. Off the top of my head. Look at that. Look at you. A real company man remembering everything. Trademark pitcherlist at pitcherlist.pitcherlist.com. <laughs> and at this moment, it's got a 46.8 CSW. That's the slider. If he maintained that rate, it would be like one of the two or three best CSW sliders in all of baseball. It's wild. I think, I think that's good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. So the results have been fantastic also. Uh, as of this moment, Caprellian, small sample size alert, of course, He's put up a K minus walk percentage of 24.4%, striking out literally a third of the batters he's faced while only walking 9%. If he qualified at this moment, that K minus walk percentage would put him right behind Clayton Kershaw and right ahead of Brandon Woodruff. In other words, elite. He's currently sitting at a 2.53 ERA and 15 strikeouts through 10.2 innings. That'll play. Yes, it will. Now, obviously, this isn't going to continue. But to his credit, he put up those numbers against the Angels and Red Sox. One lineup, which is in the middle of the pack, the Angels, they're very top heavy. And then the rest of the lineup stinks. And then the Red Sox, which is a really quality lineup. They're second in the entire league in runs scored. So it looks like his next start is against Seattle. And pretty much any starting pitcher against Seattle is a no doubt start for me at this point, let alone one who has shown so much promise so quickly. He's at 12% ownership. Jump in now. Grab him if you can. Yeah, I'm pretty high on Caprillion. I, I missed out on him now in multiple leagues, and I'm incredibly disappointed with myself. Uh, and that also includes, obviously, TGFBI. I missed out on him tonight in fab bidding, which was super disappointing. But uh, please uh, learn from my mistake and chase him. Get him. He seems super promising. Uh, that start against Seattle is super sexy. Please take it. Oh, wow. We're actually doing pretty good on time here, Schwebs. Look Not too bad at all. Look at that. We might wrap this one up under an hour if we're lucky. All right, let's do this. Okay, I'll move on to my last one, and then we can do your last pitcher. Cool? Sure. Awesome. All right, so one that's been a pretty popular ad over the past week or so has been Chris Bubich. He is currently rostered in 18% of leagues, so he's reaching the point where he's probably going to graduate from where we would talk about him. And the surface data shows that that's kind of legit because he's been really successful. Both his ERA and WHIP are at 0.96, which seems pretty darn good. And he also has the Twins lined up for his next two starts, which one, they have one of the worst records in the bigs, but also they do hit a fair amount of home runs still. So it's kind of a give and take there. Um, So, I mean, there's a lot that seems to be going for him. So what gives here? Let's talk about some warts real quick, because there are a few of them. Uh, His 20% K rate is the lowest of his career. He's giving up a lot more contact in general, uh, which isn't necessarily great. And he's also, along with that increased contact, he's giving up a BABIP of 191 and a left on base percentage of 88.9%, which both are pretty patently unsustainable. I don't think those are going to stick at those levels in any capacity. He's also walking more people than he has in his career at 4.34 per nine. Uh, and 
is also yet to give up a homer and that's sure to fall through at some point. So there's a lot of knocks against him in terms of his success, maybe not being sustainable, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel with him. He is seeing success mostly because he's, when he is giving up all this contact, it's a ton of weak contact and a ton of ground balls. Like his ground ball rate is almost 60% and that's like 33% higher than at any other point in his career. And it's likely due to the fact that he's been leaning on his changeup slightly more than he did last year. Uh, and also judging by his heat maps, he's not a guy that has like a ton of velocity. He's been doing a much better job at living on the edges with his fastball and keeping the changeup down in the zone. Like last year, if you look at his 2020 heat maps uh, from his first taste in the bigs, he lived in the middle of the zone with most of his offerings and like his changeup was super high up in the zone. It just, it didn't look good. Like there wasn't a lot of success to be had with what his uh, current heat maps looked like. Um, and that ability to now live on the edges with that fastball and then nip the bottom of the zone with the changeup has probably been imperative to his imperative to his success. Cause again, he only tops out at like 92, 93 and usually sits around 91 with his heater. And that also kind of explains his walk rate, right? Like if he's living on the edge in the bottom of the zone more so with that fastball and that changeup, it's probably going to explain the elevated base on ball rate. Uh, so that's at least an explanation for that high walk rate this year. Um, at the end of the day, am I in or am I out on him? I'm kind of on the fence and I'm skeptical and I want to see him maintain this level of command before I buy in completely but at the same time, he's already 18% owned, and if I wait around too long, it might be too late. So I wouldn't blame you at all at this point if you wanted to take the dive now. And there are definitely worse choices to be made if you're trying to find some pitching streamers and help in that regard. I, I think there's something to be said for a guy with a fun name, just for uh, puns you can make with your uh, fantasy team name and whatnot. I, it doesn't get much better than Boobitch. <laughs> <laughs> One of these. God, do, we're here to have fun gotta have some fun with this that stuff that's true yes it is a i mean i always like okay so i like names like this mostly because it's fun for like you said fantasy team names and like making puns and things like that but also i also i, I just think about he had to have gotten picked on so much as a kid that may have driven him to become a major league pitcher for all we know but like oh man because I, I mean, like my last name is White and I always got called Whitey Tidies and that just ruined my life as a like third grader because I thought that was the most just backbreaking insult. Huh. Boobich, quality, quality Toby in the major leagues and also the band of marathon runners everywhere. <laughs> that's that's why Band-Aids on the nips. Exactly. Band-Aids on the nips for all the marathon runners out there. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. Uh, we got one more picture to talk about here in depth a little bit. Let's talk about Tarek Skubel, Schwebs. Uh... Let's do this. <laughs> Sick segue. Uh, yeah, I really <laughs> nailed that one. Right. Uh, so de depending on what Detroit does with its pitching rotation, this suggestion would play out very differently. So his next start is against Cleveland. And this Cleveland team, as we mentioned before, is now missing Fran Reyes. I am all over that. Absolutely pick up and start Scooble there. He's currently at 6% ownership. He's probably available in a ton of leagues. Uh, you know, 94% to be exact. Uh, after that, however, it is a bench for several starts for me because Scooble will see a New York Yankees team that is currently absolutely rolling and then a lefty devouring Chicago White Sox squad. After that, though, it's going to get, you're going to need to pay attention because there's an off day that could throw things off and Scooble might line up against Seattle and Kansas city in his third and fourth starts from now, sorry, fourth and fifth starts from now. And those are absolute starts for me. So if you can afford to pick him up, start him or bench him. Like if you, if you have the bench spot, I totally recommend picking him up now, benching him for a little bit and then starting him again in that good stretch. Uh, if you can add him and then drop him, that would also work and pick him up again if if that uh, off day lines him up well. Uh, but yeah, uh, this is one that you're going to need to pay attention to. It's definitely not a set it and forget it. I mean, Scoople's the kind of guy that has the talent to take off if things ever click, but I'm still not starting him against those good teams at this point. But uh, as for his actual production, uh, we might be heading in that direction because 
if you take a look at his rolling charts, I'm pretty encouraged. His K percentage is trending upwards, his walk percentage is trending downwards, and his ex-WOBA is trending downwards. These are good things. He's given up two or fewer runs in six out of nine starts and five of his last seven. And some of those are starts with low inning totals, but his last three starts, at least five innings and six innings in one of them. So I like the direction he's heading in. I'd absolutely consider him as a streamer immediately for uh, this Tuesday start. Uh, and But know what you're getting yourself into and be sure that you can afford to either drop him afterwards or bench him for the tougher matchups. Love it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we looked at those rolling charts together on the stream here tonight and it's encouraging, but I mean, I'm, I'm still, oh gosh, I've, I've gotten burned so many times already this year trying to stream pitchers that the, the, the young I'm, pitchers, I'm awful nervous. Young pitchers have been rough this year. It's but been bad. I know, I know you yourself are a Manning stan. I am. There, yes. are, there are a lot of prospect people who have said that Scooble is the best of the three or, you know, the highest potential of the three. Well, that's fine. They can be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to anyone out there that likes Tarek Scooble. I apologize. That was oh, just me being. So I, I, I know we have a board bet of Austin Riley versus JD Davis that the uh, injured list is currently deciding. <sighs> Ooh. But, but how's that? How's that Detroit Tigers pitching board bet going? Oh, horrendous. Yeah. Yeah. That, what did I say? Tw- what did I say? 25 wins between all three of them? Yeah. What are they at right now? Probably not, like not two? 25. <laughs> I'm going to say two. It's not great. It's not great, Bob. Not great. Um, It's fine. Okay. Uh, You want to do these quick hits and get out of here then? Hell yeah. Heck, heck yeah. Heck yeah. I'm going to need to. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to edit that out. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. It's so, two in the morning. Don't apologize to Nick. He doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> he, he does. He does. Not all the way through. Sometimes. <laughs> he skips around pretty much. That's about it. Just scan, uh, scanning for hex. Well, no, what he does is he checks the timestamps to see if I mark where we talk about him. That's pretty much what he does. So what you need to do is do a timestamp for when I said heck and uh, say, do a timestamp. Don't listen to this, Nick Pollock. I'm absolutely going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Quick hits. Let's do this real quick. Okay. Scott Casimir. Someone asked me if I was going to talk about him and I, I, okay. I love, I love this. And I think that it's a cool story that he's been out of the league for so long and he's coming back and he had a pretty decent start against the Dodgers. Like not bad at all, but you should avoid him like the plague. I'm sorry. In that start that he had against the Dodgers, he went like 4.2 innings or something like that. He had a whopping three whiffs in the entire start and only two strikeouts not what he's you not want. Gonna, he's not going to provide you enough value literally anywhere to justify the risk. So just please avoid, avoid, avoid Scott Casimir. I apologize. I do wish him all the success. I hope he does well, but at the same time, I just can't, can't bring myself to do it. No way. Uh, Schwebs, Freddie Galvis, talk about him. I, I may have mentioned Freddie Galvis more often than Josh Naylor on this podcast. It's Possible. the same, it's the same thing that it's been. Uh, I keep on bringing up both Michael Franco and Freddie Galvis because uh, they're going to play every day and they're going to accrue counting stats. Michael Franco has made me look like a liar, but Freddie Galvis has made me proud. So yeah, uh, Gal- Galvis <laughs> qualifies at those middle infield spots. He's been kind of hot lately, hit a few dingers. Uh, yeah. And he's not going anywhere because the team stinks. Yeah. Uh, going back to another pitcher. Uh, I'm going to talk about Cody Poteet. Uh, has gotten pretty darn lucky so far this year in terms of his left on base percentage of 92%, which is high. Very, very high. Dude, Co- Cody Pote just went seven scoreless with like three or four hits against the Mets AAA lineup. And that's why we're recommended jo- uh, Kyle Freeland. Exactly. Yes, that is a very good point. Way to way to wrap it up with a nice little <laughs> bow shrubs. I appreciate that. That was good. Uh, so Cody Poteet in his next matchup faces Boston. Not ideal. Don't do that. They're one of the highest run scoring teams in the league. It's not going to be great. But, 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 but his next two starts after that are lining up to be against Pittsburgh and against Rocky Road to follow it up. Which is what we call the Rockies playing out of cores. Yes. Yeah, sorry. I should actually provide some context there for those that don't know. But I think he's going to be an absolute bench for that first start, but it's maybe worth picking him up now and stashing him on your bench until you can stream him for those Pittsburgh and Colorado starts. I think he's definitely worth the stash for that second and third start. So do that. If you have the opportunity, obviously he may or may not be out there, especially after his showing uh, in his most recent start again against the Mets triple a lineup, but keep an eye on it. Maybe he'll get called up to face a major league lineup now. (laughs) 
All right. One more guy that we want to talk about quick circling back to kind of where we began. Cause we talked about Dodgers to begin the episode. Let's talk about another Dodgers guy, Matt Beatty. He had that ridiculous game where what it was like three home runs and seven RBIs or something. I think he had two home runs. He had a grand slam and a three run homer against the Brewers. Yeah. And Thank uh, you for the reminder. You absolute jerk. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the point is that, uh, he is a, you know, he, he reminds me kind of, of, uh, oh my God, why am I forgetting his name? Like, like James Loney. Like he's just, he's just, if you leave him in the lineup every day, he's just going to hit like 270 or 280, hit a few home runs and, but he's in a great lineup. So as much as the Dodgers, like the more the Dodgers play him, the more valuable he's going to be because, uh, you know, uh, he, hits righties and he's fine he's he's kind of like well, he's like a first base jacob stallings if he has a decent lineup spot then he's going to be worth playing i when you said the name james loney i just instantly went like in my brain i was just like i haven't heard that name in years <laughs> I, I like to every now and then do like a david roth like remember some guys <laughs> truly love it i mean i didn't think that we we're gonna have a james loney uh reference on the pod but that's a real good way to end it uh Thank you all again for listening to another episode of In the Deep. We appreciate it. Thank you for bearing with us and waiting an extra week for an episode while Schwebzy got married and I did things and figured life out. Uh, we totally appreciate it. Obviously, we'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to like, subscribe, and give us a review on whatever podcast platform you enjoy us on. If you want to be updated for the newest episodes coming out along with any other takes from us, you can follow us on Twitter at In the Deep PL or individually at Schwebzi for Schwebzi. That's S-H-W-E-B-S-I and Bun Singles for me. We'll catch you next week. Schwebzi, send them out. Bye, friends. Bye.